Welcome to the Take 5 podcast from Fortinet. You give us a few minutes and we provide five cybersecurity insights based on the current trends affecting today's technology leaders. This podcast series taps into the experience from the Fortinet Field CISO team, focusing on the cybersecurity strategies organizations should look at for addressing risk. I'm your host, Jim Richburg, Fortinet's field CISO for the public sector. And today we're talking with my colleague, Mike Brown, Fortinet's field CISO for financial services. And Mike is going to talk about the cybersecurity strategies for addressing cyber risk in the financial sector. Welcome, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity, Jim. Now, let's start with a, a question about complexity. Complexity often comes up in conversation with technology leaders. So how is this creating hurdles that impair proper cybersecurity in financial service organizations? That's a good question, Jim. I know with all my talks with CIOs and CISOs, complexity always comes up as a topic or sometimes even as a pain point for their organization. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely many different reasons and they vary greatly based on the size and really the type of financial services firm that I'm talking to. You know, for example, a bank may be different than an insurance company. But what I really am seeing are themes that exist across most, if not all companies. You know, for the larger companies, I'm consistently hearing complexity issues around cloud. The shared security model is one complexity mm -hmm. I'm hearing quite often. You know, as you need to know the responsibilities of the cloud provider, and then what are your responsibilities for securing every aspect of that cloud environment? I mean, it, it, it seems be crazy that we're still arguing about cloud, you know, that the cloud model of security after all of these years of public cloud infrastructure. But I hear you, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure you're seeing it in your sector all the time, too. And, and the same thing, if you add being multi-cloud, then you really need to understand this with each one of your cloud providers and, you know, see how it gets complex very quickly. And most breaches we see in the cloud are caused by human error. Things like misconfigurations, or an admin who didn't fully understand, understand the features, or did not turn something on they should be using, or turning something off they shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I think the other theme really around that that I'm also seeing is that companies are have, or some companies have different security teams for on-premise versus cloud security. And with that complexity, there's a little small gray area you know, where the two teams' responsibilities overlap. And sometimes it's overlooked because neither team really has full ownership and, and therefore no one team is 100% accountable. And that too often leads to, you know, lack of communication, uh, coordination between the different internal security teams. And that's another reason why we sometimes see these misconfigurations or miscontrols happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. So. You know, Mike, when we talk about cybersecurity and the various reasons that it's hard, one that always seems to bubble to the top is the attack surface. So what are the ways to reduce that attack surface in financial service companies to minimize the likelihood that malicious cyber actors can disrupt their business? I know it's a very broad topic talking about the attack surface. So for this, I'm going to stick with cloud if that's okay. Sure. And and that's an area just all of our financial services companies are really expanding their footprint. And to help reduce the attack surface for cloud, I would probably say consistency is the key there. You know, cloud and multi-cloud environments are great. They bring customers options, efficiencies, and price improvements in some instances. 
but they also really increase your complexity and the potential for security breaches by expanding your attack surface exponentially. So cloud providers, they do offer security solutions, but it only spans their own cloud. They also rarely offer state-of-the-art protection. So the result may be simple and inexpensive, but the result may also be second rate. So really look for ways to standardize security across on-premise and cloud when possible. So with if you have consistent security in place, then you can seamlessly overlay your internal security policies across the multiple clouds, as well as your on-premise environment. So that really simplifies and it also consolidates your cloud network and cloud security. But it also give you a seamless multi-cloud and on-premise network. And with that, you get stuff like consistent security postures, and then you have all your clouds and on-premise in a single pane of glass management console. So that really helps to reduce operational complexity and really allows for end-to-end -end automation, Jim. True. So complexity comes up again. So so let, let's make a pivot. Let's talk about workforce. So how does staff training, workforce issues, and education, the skills gap, affect cybersecurity risk for financial service companies? I think that's a passion area for me. And I, I really feel staff training and education is one of the most critical aspects of cybersecurity risk. You know, I, I believe cybersecurity is the key discipline that's critical to all employees and all business endeavors of pretty much every company, not just financial services. Mm -hmm. so it spans from the most loyal employee that's in human resources who, who's been with your company for 20 years and they love their job but can easily inadvertently click a malicious link. Then it goes all the way the other way to your actual security team who are responsible for defending your company's resources and other security experts themselves. And I'm gonna stick with cloud, so I apologize, but take your cloud security team, for example. Again, misconfigurations are the number one cause of cloud vulnerabilities. And most financial service companies are going multi-cloud, so that further complicates things. So cloud vendors, they offer security solutions, but it only spans their own cloud. There's also no common language across cloud as far as security services. You know, each use their own little nuances or different terminologies or implementation standards for their security. So it really it makes it difficult for teams to normalize their security posture and their policies across the multiple cloud. So therefore you see extensive training is required for your cloud security teams too. You know, it, it's... Training and education is equally as important with the team who's actually responsible for your company's security, all the way to that loyal employee and human resources who's responsible for the security team's benefits. Yeah, I mean, you you, you hit a you hit a something I think is really important, and I'm I'm glad to see it, that we're starting to make a pivot. But you know, I, I'm used to organizations that talk about insider threat. I have an insider threat program, and I go, a threat is something I want to avoid. Um, you know, as you said, you have the loyal employee, people make mistakes. Um, it's really risk. And I'm glad to see people start to talk about insider risk programs because it's not normally people setting out to mess the company up. It's people who are trying to get the job done and making mistakes. So it's a risk to manage, right? Yeah, no, you're definitely right. It's It really is part of the overall risk management structure. Yeah. So training and education, I think, is a key component of that. So, um you work with what is arguably one of the most regulated sectors that there is. So what role does compliance with relevant regulations and standards have on business risk for financial service organizations? 
So, Jim, I was actually hoping to get away from talking about compliance with regulations <laughs> when I left my career Let's on the banking side. Let's go back to complexity. <laughs> but, but I think there, there's really no discussions around financial services without this, as you pointed out. Uh, in regards to business risk, you know, you have the monetary impact. Those are the fines that are imposed by the regulators for noncompliance. And, and those are the ones we hear about in the news, but then they cause reputational risk which can directly impact the business also. You know, there are cases where a company can actually be fined by multiple regulators for a single incident. And we've seen this in the past with companies that receive fines both from the SEC, that's the Securities and Exchange Commission, as well as the New York Department of Financial Services for things like what they call deficient controls and procedures related to cybersecurity. There's also a risk that one of your business lines or, or potentially your entire firm can be shut down for non-compliance. You know, if the penalty in, in includes revoking any licenses or charter that the company needs to operate, I also feel there, there's additional business risks around data protection and privacy. I know that's a big topic. Everyone's talking about it, but it's especially for global companies. There's really no single standard around data protection and privacy. You know, in the EU, for example, you have GDPR, that's the General Data Protection Regulation. It's becoming a big standard, and it does a lot to simplify the regulatory environment for international companies, but it's limited, as you see, it's, it only covers the EU. And say you have operations in Scandinavia, for example, you know, you have additional business risk because not all Scandinavian countries are part of the EU. Then the U.S. complicates it even further. I think we only have five states right now with data privacy and protection legislation. You know, California is the first and most well known, but it really doesn't cover any other states that your company operates in. So you can see how it gets very complex quickly. Sure. Yeah, you're, the organizations look at too many data privacy regimes, and then but then you end up with a point of saying so. Does the, the most restrictive then become the default operating practice for the company? You know, it's better to over comply with someone rather than under comply. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Well, well last question. Like, you know, you, you've been at Fortinet. We're both familiar with uh, the Fortinet security fabric. So how does leveraging the Fortinet security fabric help financial service organizations reduce and manage risk? So I guess, why is the fabric so effective around reducing risk? I'd have to say definitely because of the way it was designed from inception. You know, first it's broad. You have to have presence in all locations across your entire attack surface. So that's why we at Fortinet, we've built domain expertise across network, endpoint, and the cloud. And then all of those domains, we converge networking and security together. So this allows us to have effective detection as well as real-time protection across the entire attack surface. But we also know that we have to work with everything else in your organization. You have investments in other products, other companies, and there's really zero benefit to you for a siloed approach. So we built the largest ecosystem in the industry with over 500 partners. And we have technology partners. We have threat intelligence partners. We have tools for DevOps, and we have partners for automation and process automation. So with all of that in place, then we can apply a unified policy management and framework. And our security framework includes all of our security services, which are also powered by FortiGuard Labs. And that really allows us to push coordinated and consistent security directly into the products in near real time. 
So I think those are really the building blocks that allow us to have end-to-end -end automation. And end-to-end -end automation, I feel it's the only way you can fight and successfully win against the ever-growing, sophisticated, and more automated attacks, right? You fight fire with mm -hmm. fire. Right. You fight your automated AI-powered attacks with automated AI-powered security. So this, I feel, allows us to deliver the most proactive security platform out there. And it allows us to adjust to risk in real time as they occur and as they continue to evolve. Yeah, yeah. It, it allows us to innovate and, and harness that kind of automation. And it's funny, AI has now become a hot topic. You know, we could have seen how GPT-4 or OpenAI would have handled this interview. But, you know, the reality is we've been doing <laughs> it for a, for a long time. No, like, you're this definitely is, right on that. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. You know, as always, I, I enjoy this opportunity to talk with you. So uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of Take 5. Uh, to the audience, for more information about our support to the financial sector, please visit our website, www.fortinet.com front slash financial services. The Take 5 podcast series is brought to you by Fortinet, securing your digital acceleration with the performance and scale needed to detect and prevent threats across an organization's entire infrastructure, including networks, endpoints, and clouds.